ever wonder what your therapist is really thinking? Well, that's confidential. But in this podcast, a few of my therapist friends and me show you what it's really like inside of a mental health professional's brain. Hi, welcome to Through the Eyes of a Therapist podcast. I'm Crystal Martinez Acosta, licensed professional counselor, board certified counselor. We discuss books, movies, TV shows, motherhood, current events, clinical issues, mental illness, trauma, and our own personal lives. So if you want to know what we're thinking, come on in, take a listen. Come see what the world is like through the eyes of a therapist, the podcast that destigmatizes mental illness, humanizes therapists, and demystifies therapy. All right, we are back on the podcast, and today we have three special guests. We are going to be talking about therapists who are looking for love. This is a very highly anticipated topic, and I want to tell you a little bit of a background story behind it. So I wanted to get some input and feedback from my therapist community As many of you know, I am a Chicana, Latina, and it's very important for me to feature people who are from my same community, people of color, people who are Chicanas, Latinas, Latinx people. And so I went into one of my groups on Facebook and asked a question and see if anybody wanted to be a guest on this next podcast episode because I get some questions sometimes from either listeners or people that I know or even clients sometimes, like, what is it like to date as a therapist? And I don't know how to answer that necessarily anymore because I'm married and have a child. But I'm like, I think I need to look for some experts in that field or in that area. And so I went and reached out to my community and found three lovely people who were willing to talk about this very candidly with me on the podcast. And here they are today. Their names are Ashley Zayas, Carmen Rodriguez, and Zamanda Martinez, and they are here to talk to us about dating as therapists, and we have some questions for them that were pulled either from my brain or from the hive, right? All of us are wondering what it's like for therapists to be dating out there. Um, There are some probably special considerations like confidentiality, or what the heck happens if you run into a client on an app or something, which are all very possible things. And yeah, so I'm going to just ask them to each introduce themselves and we're going to get this conversation going. So let's start with Ashley. Hi, Ashley. Thanks for coming on to the podcast. Hello. Thanks for having me. So I'm Ashley Zayas. I use they, them, and z them pronouns. I'm in private practice. My practice is called BIPOC Restorative Therapy, and I am licensed in New Jersey and in New York. Awesome. Thanks so much. And then we have Carmen. Hi. Hello. I'm Carmen Rodriguez. My pronouns are she, her. So I am an LSW here in Indiana. I'm currently working as a school-based therapist for a community mental health agency. Cool. So you work with the little ones. Yes. Yeah. From like as young as pre-K to 12th graders I worked with. Okay, in Indiana. Oh my goodness. Wow. Okay. Awesome. Thanks for coming on to the podcast. And then we have Zamanda. 
Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for having me as well. I'm a licensed professional counselor associate. I'm currently under supervision in Fort Worth, Texas, and I also work in private practice. I currently see adolescents and adults struggling with depression, anxiety, grief and loss, and trauma. Awesome. And I know that this is purely an audio thing, but I'm in my closet and Zamanda's under a blanket, <laughs> Ashley's under a blanket, and Carmen is wearing her headphones and on mute <laughs> so that there's no background noise. We're trying to give you the best audio experience possible today. So I have some questions from listeners and inquiring minds that we're going to start with for each of you today. And whoever wants to start, the first one is, as you date as a therapist, just kind of looking at it through the eyes of a therapist, right? As you date, what are you looking for? And how are you going about searching for that? Are you using apps or websites or local meetings? Can you each just kind of tell us a little bit about that? So for myself, as I'm searching, I am looking for someone that is currently in therapy or has been in therapy because my experience has been that it's just you learn a lot when you're in therapy about yourself. And I need someone that's kind of like on that same level of growth. And I'm currently also looking for people that do not identify as men to date. And I'm looking through apps. Yes. Well. I think Ashley brought up something really interesting that I have thought about, but haven't really made it like a criteria for for the person that I'm dating. For me, it's important that the person is at least open to therapy. Like it's not necessary for me to have had them attend therapy or currently in the process. But if they're open to it, I think that's really important, especially given my job, you know, and then also I'm a therapist that goes to therapy herself you know, just trying to work at being the best person that I can be, the best version of myself. But the main things that I look for are just in general, a connection that could lead to something like long-term or marriage. Um, I try not to put too much pressure on myself just because I, I do have a very sensitive background when it comes to dating. But I know that for me, the most important part of that is just a connection. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Dr. Henry Cloud. So he's the person who wrote the book on boundaries. And I like his approach to dating. It's very new to me. So his approach to dating is very, of course, centered around boundaries, but more focused on just creating a connection or looking for a connection with the person. And his approach is more like just seeing what will come out of a dating situation. You never know. You could potentially build a strong friendship with someone. You can meet other people through that person if it doesn't work out with that individual. And so his motto is pretty much get your numbers up, <laughs> like get to know as many people as possible and see what you like and what you don't like. And it's kind of an opportunity to see what you like about yourself or what you're learning about yourself through that process. And I felt like that's that's an interesting approach to take, especially because it's very out of my comfort zone than my previous dating experiences. So what I am looking for would be a connection, uh, stepping out of my comfort zone and also working and seeing that as an opportunity to work on my social skills as well. Looking to be more comfortable with, you know, in the presence of others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm hearing like you want to 
like become a better person or mm-hmm. even challenge yourself in different ways in the dating experience? Yes, the dating experience, yes. Yeah. Well, as far as a person, I mean, my hope is that I do find someone who ideally I I would really love for them to share the cultural background. For me, I think that's important, but also wanting to find someone who if if they are part of the Hispanic community, um I would really just be curious to see like what kind of work they've done in terms of differentiating themselves from certain aspects of the culture or their family. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of wondering, like, as a person, like, what is it that they do like? What is it that they don't like about what, you know, what our culture raised us to believe or how they raised us to think in certain ways? Like, I just I want like a really good balance of, you know, like hanging on to some of those roots that are so near and dear to us, but also someone who is able to kind of like break certain cycles. And I'm I'm really looking to see like what what their perspective is in that aspect. Yeah, those are good points. I know that you were talking about, you know, a partner going through therapy or being willing to go to therapy. And it sounds like that might be part of that reflection process, right? Like maybe not in therapy necessarily, like in the traditional sense, but being able to deconstruct or be critical about like things like in our culture, right? Like machismo or like having really enmeshed boundaries with family members or things like that. I know that I don't want to like make this be a tell-all book or anything about my marriage but like even with our family like we've struggled with things like that too and so those are really important things to consider for sure Mm -hmm. yeah I agree yeah for me it is about having that space and time to self-reflect and have someone outside of yourself to do that with I think a lot of people are very intellectual about how they think about things But when we get too much in our heads, we can miss our own patterns. And I think that's where having a therapist or a healer uh, makes it, you know, deeper and just a lot easier to kind of see those things and recognize what's going on with you. And if so, you can do that with yourself, then it's easier to have that process with a partner as well. Right. So like if you're going to therapy, then it makes it easier to be insightful and then like easier to get along with other people. What about you, Carmen? What do you think? So I'm currently dating someone and we've been dating for two years, but the first year of our relationship was during the pandemic, like the beginning. So I feel like we're like dating again, like fresh starting. But um, something I was definitely looking for was like, again, like that connection that they talked about and also like the boundaries and someone that had an understanding of mental health, like that was totally big for me also, like whether they were going to therapy or not, but just had an understanding of how important mental health is. And so when I told people I didn't start a relationship until in my 30s, but like I would definitely, you know, tell them I was like in social work background, mental health, and just seeing what they would respond or their response to mental health was like a big, like either it's going to be a turn on or turn off. And so that's one thing that was really huge to me, like, you know, me, myself being a therapist, but also having my own mental health issues, that was also important to see, like, how they would respond or if it would work out. And so I think that would be very important because I know how I can get when I get anxious and just seeing how they viewed it and would support me in it. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely huge. Yeah. Well, for myself, you know, when I first started dating, you know, in my lifetime, I was dating cis men. And then just kind of as I've learned more about myself and kind of grown into myself, I've realized that 
Like, I don't want to date cis men anymore. And so I've noticed a difference in meeting people before when I was dating just cis men versus now in how people react to me telling them that I'm a therapist or that I'm a social worker. When I was dating cis men, I think a lot of times it would kind of like be a turnoff (laughs) and there would be like a lot of worry about me, like, quote unquote, analyzing them or if I just had an opinion about something that they were going through, I would be called that I was like um, psychoanalyzing them or that I was trying to be their therapist, even though, you know, that wasn't necessarily the case. But now that I'm dating people that are not cis men, it's like the reception of it is like, oh, wow, that's really cool. Like, what is that like? And there's that concern of like, you're analyzing me all the time is not really there. (laughs) So I think that's an interesting difference. Have either of you gotten that like Carmen or Zamanda, like where people are, I can even, I can't even imagine like cis men, like not to stereotype or like typecast, right. But I can totally see that happening. Like these like macho guys being like, oh, are you reading my mind? Or like, Meh. you know, like all cavemen. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, you know what? What is interesting about what you just said is like, oh, like these macho men saying, oh, like you're being a therapist around me. I actually think like the strongest man or the machoest man is someone who is open and receptive to what we have to say, just as another perspective in general, right? And a person who is just open emotionally, I think that's the truest macho, (laughs) in my opinion. I really do resonate with what Ashley just said with her experience dating cis men. I've actually dabbled with dating apps not too long ago. It's honestly not my style. It's not really something that I value, but as I get older, you know, coming into my 30s, I don't get to meet very many people outside of dating apps. I'm not in school anymore. My circle of friends has gotten a little bit smaller. Usually in the past with relationships that have lasted longer, um, I've met those people through school or through mutual friends. So now as I'm approaching my 30s, I'm like, hey, like maybe this whole dating app thing, it's 2022. Let's see what's out there. And I've actually had those experiences like Ashley talked about where I went on a date with someone and just a little disclosure, and I promise you it's not on purpose, but I tend to gravitate towards engineers for some reason. I think my analytical side and my way of processing things sometimes can get there's like a balance between their my analytics and their pragmatism. <laughs> But there are some challenges there. So when this person asked me what I do for a living or what my profession is, and I told them that I'm a therapist, their whole demeanor changed, their affect changed. And I can just tell their body language, they were very guarded. And honestly, like me, just as a person in general, like trying to get to know him, asking him questions about him, about his family, just about his values, And any question that I would ask to get to know him as a person, his response was very defensive. Like, oh, that is such a therapist question. Of course you would ask that. You're trying to figure me out. And it was kind of, it was a turnoff. It was annoying because I'm genuinely being myself, wanting to get to know a person. And then any question that is asked, like I get met with that resistance because of my profession. Like, 
I don't know, like I've even considered not being as upfront about it in the beginning because I, I could totally understand how someone might be a little guarded um, after finding out that they're on a date with a therapist because you just don't know what people are going through. And maybe they haven't been to a therapist yet. And having one right in front of them, I, I can imagine for certain people can be a little scary. So I do get that. But on my end, it makes it a little difficult and challenging just working on being yourself, you know, in a date and asking questions to get to know them. I also had an experience where I asked another individual that I went on a date with, like, before you meet, what are your boundaries? Like, I asked them, what are your boundaries? Do you have any boundaries? Do you, do you have any dating boundaries? And he asked me, his response was, what are boundaries? And I was like, oh, okay. Like, I forget that not everybody is aware or not everybody knows what boundaries are. And I just thought it was really interesting. Like, wow, I, I really have to explain to someone what a boundary is. And there's a question that you asked with your open-ended questions that asked how you balance your professional boundaries with dating boundaries. And I just found that interesting because when I'm dating this person, asking him what his boundaries are, and he's asking me, what is that? Then it makes me feel like I'm doing some psychoeducation, which is good. But at the same time, like I want to find that balance between I don't want to be therapizing you, as they call it, <laughs> you know, but I also want you to understand where I'm coming from. So I think that's a challenge sometimes. Yeah. What do you think, Carmen or Ashley, have you ever encountered that? The question I think that she's referring to, because I, I send guests questions beforehand so they can reflect before the podcast recording. One of them is like, how do you maintain clinical boundaries versus personal boundaries in your interactions with partners or potential partners? And so I can totally see how when you're in a situation like that where you're trying to like almost educate someone on like a psychological term, right, which is in therapy, we call that psychoeducation, right? It's like that's something that's part of our job that we do every day, psychoeducation, psychoeducation, right? Like, let me teach you about a boundary. Let me teach you about what that is. Mm -hmm. And so here she is teaching her potential partner and doing psychoeducation, something that's part of her job, <laughs> right? Like as a like a pre-date thing. And she's like basically working, like doing labor, you know, as part of her dating experience, which is kind of hard because that's like, how is she keeping her personal boundaries and her work boundaries separate? And I think we're taught this in grad school of, you know, therapist identity, right? Like being a therapist is not just a job. It becomes part of who you are and it becomes um, a really ingrained part of you and your identity and it's a really lifelong sort of thing to have to keep that in check and in balance all the time with any interaction right which is why it's so emotionally and mentally taxing right because in every interaction right you're thinking okay is this like am I therapizing this person like, even with my husband, right, I'm not dating anymore, but it's like, okay, am I, like, can I use my skills that I know and my knowledge that I know that I've worked so hard for and that I've earned to manage this situation? And is that considered work or is that considered, like, I'm applying what I know because I'm a human and, like, now I know better, you know, and is it work or is it, like, now personal and I've just integrated that into my identity? So it's kind of hard, right? So yeah, I can imagine in dating, it's yikes, like that's hard. 
And then people not understanding the profession or like really stereotyping it or, you know, the damage that media has done about like therapists, the way that they're portrayed in movies and shows and like all Mm -hmm. kinds of ethical boundaries being crossed in the stupid shows. It's like, no, that's not how therapists behave and that's not what therapy is, you know. So it's like, yeah, a lot of undoing and education and it's kind of mixed up right i know i've said a lot but i don't know if carmen and ashley have anything to add to what zamanda said i actually struggle with that myself as well like even so in my like current relationship i feel like sometimes i struggle with those boundaries and i've had to before like even ask uh my partner like oh i'm like hey is this too much or am i you know talking too much about this or you know And I asked about boundaries. So I think it's something, yeah, like as a therapist, that's now like recently dating and I need to be more mindful of like letting my partner know it's like, hey, like it's okay to have these boundaries with me. And actually like just like his sister is a psychologist. And so I think he has like more of an understanding of mental health than the other guys like I went on dates with before meeting him. So he like, he's just like, he'll listen. (laughs) And so that's why I'm like, oh, you know, it's okay to set boundaries, but I continue to struggle, especially dating someone that's just like, well, listen to me. Yeah, for me, um, this is a part of the reason why it's important for me that the other person is in therapy so that if I find myself kind of getting into that space where it's kind of crossing that line of like partner versus therapist in terms of like what I'm saying or what I want to share, then I can say, oh, this really sounds like something that you should discuss with your therapist instead of me, you know, talking about what I think. (laughs) So that's kind of how I draw that line for myself is, you know, if this is something that should be discussed with a therapist or also trying to think to myself, like, okay, what would someone who's not a therapist, like, what would their response to this be? And going from there. Ashley, I have a question, if you don't mind. Of course. About that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, how do you find the balance between, you know, what to redirect towards, hey, like maybe that's something that you should, that would be helpful if you brought it to your therapist versus offering emotional support as a potential partner or as a partner? Yeah. So if I find myself trying to think through what the pattern is that's coming through, that's kind of my, you know, the light bulb of like, oh, this should be directed towards your therapist. And if I I'm like, okay, this is something that I can just kind of like sit here with my partner through Mm -hmm. and I can just like kind of be there versus having to say or do anything, then I can be there in that way. And, you know, a lot of times when I say, oh, this is something that you should talk to your therapist about, it doesn't mean that, you know, the conversation is over. It's just like, let's take that part to your therapist, but I can still be here for you in this other way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that. It kind of puts things into perspective for me because I've never really had that like checklist part, like a requirement, like the person that I'm dating has to have been in therapy or currently in therapy. But I can totally see, you know, how that is beneficial. It's just in my experience, I don't think anyone that I've ever dated has been in therapy. And of course, I'm still dating. So that's probably something that I should add <laughs> to my my little bullet checklist are any of you guys aware of your well I'm sure you guys are aware of your attachment style but as Carmen was talking about her boundaries and dating 
and some of the things that she struggles with, it kind of made me think about the things that I still struggle with on my end. Because I think earlier I was mainly talking about like the other individual and what they're quote unquote doing wrong or what they need to work on. But on my end as a therapist and as an individual, I'm still working on my attachment style. Mm-hmm. I recognized through this dating experience how my anxious attachment can be a challenge for the other person, especially when they're a little bit more on the avoidant attachment style. That's been a challenge for me. So I was just wondering if you guys had that experience. I have, especially like in the beginning, like when I started like this relationship with my current partner, like I said, I was doing dating apps too. Mm -hmm. And I think for most of those apps, like before meeting my current partner, it was like one date and I was like, okay, no, no, you know, it's not going to work out. And so it was like at the beginning, very anxious. And I was like, because of the pandemic and we didn't see each other for a year. And so... I got a lot of like anxiety of like, will this not work out? Because we we're not physically seeing each other, you know, and like it was just a lot of like, you know, talking over the phone and FaceTime. And there was times where like, I think I was becoming, yeah, like if I call him, you know, like too attached or too personal about things like, will this ruin this relationship because now I'm too personal. And so it helped with like, I started communicating more to him about it, which like, obviously we all know communication is important, but it's easier said than done. Mm -hmm. And so I think like being honest, like also a friend about like, just my own, again, going back to my own mental health and then like where I was seeing, you know, this relationship, especially Mm -hmm. now during this hard time where we can't physically like see each other. But I always get these worries like, you know, is this going to work out? And then like, Mm -hmm. personally, as a therapist at that time, it was hard too. And so like, I was just like disclosing all this stuff to him, like just my, you know, like as a therapist, how things were hard, personal. And so I had a lot of anxiety in the beginning of the relationship so, yeah, I mean, I think someone had to tell me, like, you got to communicate, girl. You got to tell, you know, how you're feeling. And I was like, duh, I'm a therapist. I should know this. I think it was just like after that, it's like, OK, you know, and I just seeing how his response to things was like, all right, you know, he's open to these discussions and we'll talk about. It. Yeah, I think that's another thing is that people expect that since we're therapists, that we are going to be, quote unquote, perfect in our communication and and our own boundaries and all of these things and it's like no that's not the case like we're still working through our own things and we still need to like practice these things we still have natural reactions that come up or trauma uh, responses that come up and uh, you know to expect for us to be perfect is like in my opinion it's not seeing us as human and you know this is something that comes up in relationships sometimes and it's really frustrating that like I can't just be a person because I am of a certain profession yeah I totally can resonate with what you both just said like you know with my anxious attachment I've had a very well in my opinion it it felt like a high potential for you know a, a relationship just not work out because I am a therapist who, like you said, Ashley is obviously human. And I'm still struggling with that communication piece when it comes to my anxious attachment. Of course, it's easier said than done. Like we encourage our clients to to have those conversations. And it's a lot harder when it's you. (laughs) Uh, Of course, I'm still working on that. But you know, like I've had potential situations in which 
I even wondered, hey, could have that worked out if my communication was a little bit, you know, if I was just working through that communication in a, in a better way or if I had the courage to say what I really wanted to say in those situations without feeling that scary feeling. It's definitely something that is so real still as human beings. And you're right, it is, you know, it happens more often than what people might imagine being viewed as quote unquote perfect because you are a therapist or having certain feelings and emotions be invalidated because you're a therapist. For example, like I've had a situation in which I was struggling with something and I, I really needed emotional support. And instead of, you know, hearing like you're supported, you're validated. I was met with, you're a therapist. You should know like how to manage that you're a therapist why are you going through this and I'm like I'm a human exactly mm-hmm. exactly what you said Ashley like I did feel dehumanized because mm-hmm. you're not seeing me as a person you're seeing me as this professional who's quote-unquote perfect and mm-hmm. the truth is we're not and I do tell my clients in our intake appointments that hey mm-hmm. your therapist struggles too and mm-hmm. it's okay not to be okay we're all human we're having a human experience yeah I've heard that from partners and from friends at times um, that sentiment of like oh you're a therapist you should know this or you know you should be able to get through this and it's like yeah but we we also need support no one can get through things you know by themselves that's why you know we're social beings as humans and that's why we have community exactly and that's part of the mission of this podcast is to humanize therapists right like to show the good bad and ugly of the therapist right to show that we're human you know to show that that we can make mistakes that we also cry and that we also laugh and that we also have anxious attachment styles which by the way there are four i googled it real quick so that we can (laughs) review them the attachment styles are secure anxious avoidant dismissive or avoidant fearful and so anxious the one that zamanda's talking about is classified by having like a sensitive nervous system struggling with communication and needing direct communication and tending to act out when triggered and then secure is the one that we ideally want everybody to to be in right and that we all work towards becoming can trust fairly easily attuned to emotions communicating directly and leading with cooperative and flexible behavior in relationships. And then avoidant dismissive is downplaying importance of relationships, usually extremely self-reliant, can become more vulnerable when there's a big crisis. And then avoidant fearful is more dependent in relationships than avoidant. Dismissive strongly fears rejection, has a low self-esteem, and has high anxiety in relationships. So those are kind of the four and it seems like they have like arrows and it looks like there's a spectrum. So you can probably land anywhere in that spectrum or on that graph. So interesting. I like having this conversation about dating with other therapists because we can talk about attachment styles, (laughs) right? And we all know what we're talking about, right? Like, oh yeah what's your attachment style like and it's not weird it's like oh okay yeah like I'm kind of anxious avoidant when it comes to this right and it's like oh you know but when we're looking for another partner if we were to ask what's your attachment style they look at us like what 
what the F are you talking about? <laughs> you know, like, what is that? It's like, you know what? Just take this quiz, <laughs> you know, and find out what your attachment style is, please. Um, That would be great. Thank you very much. Um, Yeah. So I have another question here real quick. Everybody wants to know, how do you safeguard against running into clients or what happens if, you know, clients want to flirt with you or they find you on an app or I actually had this happen to me once where a client did hit on me in a hospital setting. I set that boundary real quick. I was like, Mm-mm, this is inappropriate. I was an LPC associate at the time or an intern back then when we were interns. And I was like, that's not appropriate. You know, mm-hmm. we're in a professional setting. I'm doing an evaluation, you know, and I told him to stop. Right. And then I was like, oh, my gosh, I got to go process this with my supervisor. And we talked about it. And he told me, "Okay, you handled that really well. And this is how to continue handling those situations, because it might continue to happen in your professional life. You know, clients are going to mistake your empathy and acceptance and validation for like attraction or whatever. Like there are all kinds of dynamics that happen in therapy. Right. So but anyways, that might be a segue into the question that. I asked originally, how do you safeguard against running into clients? And what happens, you know, if a client happens to run into you on the dating scene? That was part of the reason why I didn't want to do dating apps to begin with, because I had that concern of, oh my gosh, what if I see one of my clients on the dating app? I had a situation in which I tried a dating app a couple of years ago. And someone recognized me mm-hmm. because they knew my brother. <laughs> and that alone just bothered me. Like, hey, you're so-and-so sister. And I'm like, oh, that's embarrassing. Like, I don't want any of my brother's friends, like, just involved in that part of my life. Like, to me, dating for me is very, very personal. It's a very, very personal journey. And maybe if we ever do another podcast, I will explain why. But it's very, very personal. So I definitely have that concern of running into a client on a dating app. I have yet to experience that and I hope I never do, but I'm very private on social media. Currently, my personal Instagram, it's deactivated. I have an Instagram account for one of my hobbies and then I have my Facebook that I mainly use for professional uses only and it's very, very private. I do live in an area in Texas. We call it the DFW area, so the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And it's a pretty big area in Texas, but it's also very small. Like, it's a small world. Like, everyone who hangs out in Fort Worth hangs out in Dallas. Everyone who hangs out in Dallas hangs out in Fort Worth. And I do have a lot of my clients that tell me, like, hey, like, I, I hang out at these specific places. And I just I avoid those places now because I don't want to run into a client I mean, that's really all I can do, I think, unless you guys have any other suggestions. But when it comes to going on dates, I do let my dates know that I do not want to engage in PDA because of that reason. Like, I don't want, you know, a parent of of one of my teens to see me like, you know, dating. (laughs) I don't know. It's just it's a it's a concern of mine. So what about you guys? So I've actually come across a client on a dating app before. I think for myself, it's kind of hard to completely safeguard against that because of the specific identities that I hold. And I work with people that have very similar identities. And so in 
you know, going on dating apps, I'm looking for people, obviously, that are similar to me. (laughs) And sometimes that includes my clients, which is like so cringe. But (laughs) like, it happened. And I was like, Oh, shit, what do I do? I tried to see if there was like a way to kind of like remove them from like potential matches. But from the options that I could see, it was kind of like, I had to like block them or like, choose a reason as to why I was removing them. And I was like, I didn't want to like, have their account flagged or something like that. So I just like swipe no or whatever. And then I brought it up to the client. And I was like, hey, you came up on my my feed <laughs> or my profile or whatever on this app. And I just wanted to address it because I didn't want it to be like a weird thing between us. And, you know, we had a conversation about it. It was really cool. And it didn't lead into, you know, like a bigger thing. The client was appreciative that I brought it up and that I didn't try to kind of like shy away from it. But I think, you know, in queer community, it's especially difficult not to have this situation happen because queer community is so small. Even in New York City, where there are a lot of us, there's only, you know, certain places where people hang out that are, you know, safe places for us. So it's kind of tough. And it's like, you know, if I go out, I have to be prepared to leave a place if I see a client there, which sucks. But that's kind of what comes with this job. So I live like in a city where it's the main city, but it's still pretty small. Like, and so I've, I've have run into like clients and their parents or like, you know, referrals that they knew who I was in the school. And I definitely have had that like worry when I was like on the dating app that I would run into one of my clients' parents, which hasn't happened. But I, I think like, I also try to be very private on, like, I have my accounts private both on Instagram and on Facebook. Like, I don't even, like, if, if a kid asks me, like, one of my client kids, like, if I have any social media, I say no, just because, like, I don't like for them not work, but, like, you know, if they look me up and then their parents look me up. So that's how, like, the best I feel like I can do is just, like, be very private. I mean, luckily now I don't have to worry about the dating, you know, apps, like, running to a client's parents. Um, but I have had that situation. And I just, like, act like I don't know them. Like, obviously, how worship, you know, act like, and get unless they engage. I mean, that's how I, my attempt. Like, I feel like that's the best I could do. Yeah. Crystal, I have a question, if you don't mind. Yeah. How did you handle that situation? What is the specific response that you had? And if you don't mind, you don't have to share if this is too much detail, but I'm just wondering what the client said to hit on you. Oh. So if I can remember clearly, because this was like maybe 10 or 11 years ago, but I remember what I was wearing and everything because it was so like, oh my God, like I panicked, right? Because it's just like a freaky situation like that you don't want to be in because you know you've been taught, right? Like in grad school, like you don't have sex with your clients. Like this is one of those things that you can get your license taken away for, like don't engage in like any type of sexual innuendo connotation like anything with your client and I'm like okay like I have been trained for this moment you know <laughs> anyway so I I believe that it was like a parent of a client and like I think he told me something along the lines of like commenting on my physical appearance and then I said sir um this is a, a professional setting where I'm conducting an evaluation I am a therapist and I prefer to be left alone 
and your comments need to be kept to yourself. I'm going to continue my job and I'm going to go ahead and walk away from this situation. And I'm just letting you know that what you have told me is something that is crossing a professional boundary, something like that. And then I like walked away. So it was just like kind of cold, but it wasn't like mean. It was just like assertive, like I need to protect my license. You know what I mean? Like at all costs. Yeah, at all costs. Like I work (laughs) too damn hard for this shit. Like you're not going to take it away from me, you know? (laughs) And so like, yeah, I think that it was a little bit hard, but I'm kind of glad that it happened at the beginning of my career because it was something that almost kind of like exposure therapy, right? Where it's like, you're so afraid of it happening, but then you, you confront it early and you develop that confidence and efficacy for yourself. And you're like, okay, I did it. And yeah, it's done. Like you're fine. But did you die? No. Yeah. (laughs) And then I had my supervisor afterward. Yeah. So then I like, I ran to tell him afterward and I was like, oh my gosh, what happened? He's like, it's fine. Like these things are going to happen. And then we like processed it and we went over other hypothetical situations that could occur in the future, which some have or have not happened, you know, and, you know, we're all human. Like all of us are human. The clients are human. Therapists are human. These things are going to happen. And, you know, you just have to be prepared for whatever happens, you know. And so it's it's good to talk about each type of situation that maybe could happen hypothetically too, I think, in supervision or consultation. So does anybody have any other like weird or awkward moments, anecdotes that you want to add to the episode before we go? I know Ashley talked about that. I really appreciate what Ashley said, by the way, of how they addressed it with the client first, right? Like, I'm just going to bring it up in session as the therapist and say, hey, I saw you on the app. Let's talk about it versus like, oh, we're just going to ignore the elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. Like therapists don't do that or shouldn't do that. Right. Like, at least I think the good ones shouldn't. Right. We have to get over ourselves right. <laughs> and our anxiety. Right. That's It's our responsibility. Right. Like we are the professional in this. I should not be like waiting for the client to bring it up or, you know, trying to see if they're going to bring it up. I need to be the professional and bring up this difficult conversation and kind of model like this is how we can have these difficult conversations and it doesn't have to be a huge deal, but it needs to happen, right? Like they say, with great power comes great responsibility. So if you have more power in the relationship, which unfortunately we do, even though we have to try to deconstruct that and have as much equality as possible or equity in the relationship as possible, but unfortunately we do have more power in the relationship, then we have the responsibility to bring that up. Mm -hmm. And so... Absolutely. We need to just bring it up and be like, okay, let's Mm -hmm. just nip this now. (laughs) And it doesn't have to be a big deal. You're right. It doesn't have to be like this dramatic, oh my God, there was this time that I saw you on the app. Like, no, (laughs) it's okay. Right. It's just a thing. Like, just matter of factly, okay. Like, and we're moving on. The end. Um, Is there anything that you want to promote like websites or any events that either any of you have coming up like 
please also don't go looking for these people on dating apps. Like, leave them alone. (laughs) They were gracious enough to come onto the podcast just to talk about their dating experiences. But, like, this was just for educational and informational purposes only, please. Right? Like, that's all I have to say. But I think as a married person now that did date back then, I think in the very beginning when I was a therapist, a baby therapist, and dated for a little bit, I think the more important things to me were to be able to be myself. And when I would get home, I just wanted somebody who could like accept me Mm -hmm. for my like tired self, you know, like come home and be like, look, I'm going to go into like my dark closet or like lay down and unwind for a while. I'm like, don't talk to me. Don't touch me. Like, let me eat a snack and drink my coffee and leave me alone for like 20 minutes you know like just (laughs) leave me alone and for somebody to like totally understand that and somebody who like values mental health right like I think you've talked about that those were important for me and so I think my husband has been supportive in that way to me yeah and somebody who wasn't gonna throw that whole thing in my face like well you're a therapist like you should know this or that it's like no mamas like (laughs) you better not throw that crap in um yeah I've had family do that to me and mm -mm, that did not Uh well you know so I think those are the only things I wanted to say to like kind of tie that loose end but I really appreciate all of you coming onto the podcast Carmen Ashley Zamanda I appreciate it yeah thank you it was was super fun (laughs) thank you for having us thanks for listening to through the eyes of a therapist podcast Rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. And please connect with me, Crystal Martinez Acosta, licensed professional counselor, on Instagram at Through the Eyes of a Therapist Pod. More information about booking me for therapy or training can be found there. Until next time, keep on fighting the stigma and go to therapy. I'll see you next time.